Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, we ask, is America really a sexist hellhole that hates women or are polls just unreliable? What's scarier, confronting somebody or continuing on with your life wishing you had? Why is it easier to stand up for yourself online? And what happens when Harvey Weinstein steals your stuffed mushrooms? Stick around to hear the answers from Melissa Mastermonico, Dana Schwartz, Michaela Watkins, Riri Cheney, and me. Let's get started with the news. Okay, so in the news, there is a lot going on. On one hand, on Tuesday, voters in Kentucky estate President Trump won by 30 points, elected a Democratic governor. On the other hand, former governor, well, soon to be former governor, Matt Bevin was historically unpopular and had a tenure characterized by really dumb shit, like he accused teachers of enabling child molestation by going on strike, and he tried to take Medicaid away from 100,000 people. Doesn't usually end up being very popular to try to take things away from people. On the third hand, though, Bevin had, in the final weeks of the campaign, tried to make the race all about abortion and loving Donald Trump, which seems like it should spell trouble for the GOP in 2020, except on the fourth hand, you can't extrapolate nationally from one weird gubernatorial race in Kentucky, and Republicans won every other race in that state. But on the fifth hand, good things happen for Democrats elsewhere. So to help me decipher what the multi-limbed god of political confusion is telling us is former White House Deputy Chief of Staff of Operations under President Obama. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say she's the world's foremost cozy blanket sommelier. Let's call Alyssa Mastermonico up. Top of the morning to you, milady. Alyssa, how many blankets are you wrapped in right now? Uh, well, if a sweater counts as a blanket, two. <laughs> um, I called you the world's foremost cozy blanket sommelier, and I hope that's not offensive to you. How could that possibly offend me? Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure. I um, mean, Erin, I'm like if Vermont and a fireplace and hot cocoa with marshmallows had a baby. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Alyssa, queen of coziness. Um, let's yeah. let's talk about Tuesday's elections, Tuesday's off-year elections, and what it means if 
anything. So what were your first impressions of what happened on Tuesday? I mean, quite honestly, I was shocked. Only because I go into everything with low expectations, like everything. Um, But I mean, fucking come on. Kentucky is amazing. Yeah. Like, like I hope that the results last night gave Mitch McConnell IBS. And I don't wish that on anybody. That's the meanest thing I've ever heard you say about anybody. Yeah. I hope he gets the shits. Um, so I was like going through my socials and like, re- you know, trying to catch up on the news because on a day like a- an election day, trying to read the news is sort of like, have you ever seen those vid- those um, game show games where they put somebody in like a tube of money and they have to just try I to- love that. And you have to get to catch as much money as you can. Right. I feel like that, but with just like news. And I, I felt like trying to do that last night and a lot of it was good news. So it felt like I was actually in a tube of like karmic money. Um, but I was I pulled some stuff out, and here's some good news for Democrats okay. and progressives. In Denver, union-backed candidates won control of the school board, which is very cool. Very cool. Very cool. In Virginia, both houses flipped. And, and they elected their first Muslim woman to the state Senate. And they elected Julie Briskman to local office. She's the woman who famously <laughs> flipped off Trump's motorcade in that photo. Actually, I was watching MSNBC last night and um, and Brian Williams said that he waved, but he he said she waved, but, but she not did, with all her fingers. Yes, but only one of her fingers she waved, uh, which I thought was very funny. Um, also yesterday, I saw a tweet from Mitch McConnell, speak of the devil, Mitch McConnell, or the turtle. Mitch McConnell's former chief of staff tweeted um, that there's a couple places that should really concern Republicans. Um, the suburbs of Pennsylvania um, had uh, a really strong Democratic result, uh, and that should be concerning for people who are looking for those suburbs to be um, support for Republicans, which they have been reliably in the past. Also, some suburbs in Delaware tipped Democrats. So do you think that this is just a continuation of the blue wave from 2018? I don't think like, you know, anything's like a continuation, you know what I mean? Only because I feel like I don't want people, I'm again, I'm so fucking weirdly superstitious. It's like, I don't want people to think we're gaining momentum. So we have to work less hard, Mm -hmm. you know, or be less vigilant. But I mean, it's good. I mean, I'm hoping that people are like, fuck, you know, what did I do? Though it's also not the same as being totally motivated with Trump on the ballot. Like, even though he did go to Kentucky and be like, you've got to do this for me. And they were like, fuck you. Mm -hmm. But, but, you know, it's, I don't think it's the same as like what will motivate people in 2020. There was one other story that I saw that I have to add to the Pennsylvania roundup. Mm -hmm. Kendra Brooks. Did you see this? No, Kendra Brooks, Kendra Brooks, single mom, African-American in North Philly, ran on the Working Families Party platform. She won a seat in the Philly council and is the first person outside the two-party system to win in 100 years. Whoa. That's really interesting. Isn't Um, it? That's really interesting. Yeah. I was actually thinking yesterday um, when I saw people pointing out that before Donald Trump did his rally in Kentucky, um, Bevin, incumbent Republican Governor Matt Bevin, was up five points and then he ended up losing by about 5,000 votes to Andy Beshear, um, which I thought was kind of funny. Not not that like it's it's a correlation. It's not causation, but it's pretty funny correlation because, you know, if the if it had been opposite, if it had been that Bashir was up and then. Bevan won, that Trump would consider that that he was the cause of Bevan winning. Um, of course. But now that Bevan lost, he's he's, of course, going to like wash his hands of, of the losery 
losing. Um, Do you mean as he said, I tried to drag him across the finish line? <laughs> yeah. First, first of all, I would I would not love to see Donald Trump trying to run a race, but I am going to go ahead and doubt that a man who rides around on a golf cart doesn't really spend a lot of time running toward finish lines of any kind, whether he's unencumbered or dragging somebody. Um, but I, I, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's classic pattern, I think. And I think also it kind of tested the limits of the Trump cult. Is it okay to call it a cult? I mean, if it's not, I mean, I actually think that's a generous word. What would you call it? I mean, they're like a mob. Really? It's like a, a mob so. cult, sort of like the it's cult. kind of a mob cult. Yeah. It's like, it's uncool. Yeah, like the cult in Wild Wild Country, except not awesome. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Alyssa, I wanted to talk about, you know, when we talk about these results, which, of course, for the next, like, few weeks, everybody's going to be like, this is going to portend everything that's going to happen from now to 2020 until they get hold of a new news story and decide that that's the thing. Um, on Monday, the New York Times was reporting on <sighs> the results of, I know, I know, I know, <sighs> I know. A po- they, a New York Times did a poll that showed that basically not only was Trump probably going to win again, America hates women. Um, what did you make of the poll? Okay, I'm going to be very honest. I got like viscerally affected. I like teared up. Like some of the shit they wrote was just like, it's almost like the article and the poll was meant to give a permission structure for people to not have open minds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like if you tell them it's okay, it's okay. But, you know, the poll was basically like, we don't know that Elizabeth Warren can do it if she's likable. But I want to read something that I found. Okay. Are you ready for this? I'm absolutely ready. This is from, let me get the date right. This is from 2008. It's a CNN article during the primaries. Quote, there's been a huge shift among African-American Democrats from Clinton to Obama. African-American Democrats used to be reluctant to support Obama because they didn't think a black man could be elected. Then Obama won Iowa and nearly won New Hampshire. Now they believe, says Bill Schneider, CNN's senior political analyst. Hmm. Okay. So Argo, fuck yourself. Like, it's all just how long did we listen to the fact that Barack Obama was not electable and that this was not possible? And guess what? He fucking got elected. Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't know. Keep your fucking shit about like it's the thing about that article was it wasn't just them saying likability. They gave these quotes that's like Elizabeth Warren doesn't seem trustworthy. None of the women running seem likable. Really? They're mm-hmm. all so different. There's not one you don't take exception with. Mm-hmm. I mean, fuck, fucking a. I, mean, I, was, Kamala, I was really mad. Kamala Harris just got a dog. I mean, what's not to like about that? Newton, uh, little Newton, little Newton. Um, but, you know, I, I thought that I think that you bring up a really good point and and it kind of leads into what something I wanted to say about punditry in general. I think mm-hmm. that punditry is sort of um, pulling the future out of your ass based on what the past has been. And there are never any consequences for pundits who are like the wrongest bitches in the game. And they're actually rewarded for kind of taking extreme positions and having punditry being the the main uh the, I guess the main fodder of cable news has trained the American public to try to think like pundits, which is the worst thing, the worst thing. Yes. Like you yes. like and and I found that in this poll that the New York Times did, they were asking people to guess what other people were going to do. Exactly. Bingo. Which is sort of like, look, 
I watch sports and before I watch sporting events, like I don't get calls that are like, do you think uh, do you think the Minnesota Gophers are going to pull this one out? Like, do you think that other people think the Minnesota Gophers are going to pull this one out? No, I just cheer for the Minnesota Gophers or I cheer for the Minnesota Vikings or, you know, whatever team I'm actually following. It's like I don't politics in America is the only place where people are told that they need to support who they think other people are going to support, which to me seems super fucked up. Also, I want to talk about the limitations of polling. Like, I'm, Alyssa, you read the piece and you saw that they took a lot of time explaining how hard it is to conduct polls. So, yeah. I mean, especially over the phone in this day and age. Um, so I was just thinking, like, who picks up the phone? Like, you're imagining somebody picking up the phone from a number that they don't recognize. Who do you think that is, Alyssa? Well, let's actually talk about it because it's also fucking fucked up that it's not even sometimes numbers you don't know. They're like the spoof numbers that show up with like the same exchange you have. So I'm going to be honest. I answer no phone calls ever because I got a spam filter. And so unless you're in my contacts, I do not pick you up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's people who are not technologically advanced enough to have a spam filter on their phone. If you have a landline... And you're home to answer it, like, I guess you answer it. I don't know. Like, I don't know who these polls are. And, like, it's not always clear how big the pool is that they have pulled from. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I, I was reading the, in, the, in the piece, they talk about how many people didn't pick up the phone and how many failed attempts to contact they had. Um, and I was thinking about people who don't pick up the phone. In addition to people who do pick up the phone who are like, a lot of times have landlines, a lot of times don't mind picking up calls from unknown numbers. Maybe they're, like, lonely and want to talk to somebody. <laughs> Um, when I'm lonely, I try to make chit chat with the clerks and baristas and, you know, I annoy myself. Um, it's why I have cats. <laughs> I know, exactly. You can say basically <laughs> anything to them and they won't care um, either way. But I was thinking about people who don't pick up the phone. And I was thinking about how when I was younger and I owed a lot of money to a credit card company and I couldn't mm -hmm. pay it off, how I was getting phone calls all the time about how I needed to pay my, and I was not picking up any calls. And I think, you know, that's anecdata, but if you're somebody who's in debt, if you're somebody who's getting collections calls, if you're somebody who might be motivated to vote for a person like Warren, who understands bankruptcy front and back, um, you might be a person that is in the least likely group of all to pick up your phone because you, you know what? That is a fucking excellent point. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But oh, that is yeah. a fucking great point that actually never crossed my mind. Yeah. I mean, it, it crossed my mind immediately because as soon as I, I was like, I, I have like PTSD, like mild PTSD from the time when like every single time somebody was trying to call me, it was like, can you pay, you know, $200? And I was like, I don't have $200. I'm 25 and I'm stupid. You know, like it was, it, and I just was thinking most most of the people who are in debt are not 25 and stupid. Most of the people who are in debt have it from completely normal reasons that could happen to anybody, like medical debt, student loan debt. You know, there's all these reasons that people would not want to pick up the phone because they don't want to be hounded because they owe money to somebody. That was my biggest takeaway. It's like, God, does, it, does the New York Times not understand how many people don't pick up the phone because they're tired of talking to debt collectors? But, Correct. Yeah. So anyway, um, let's get to the final piece of this that was disturbing. Um, let's talk about likability because you touched oh. on it, Alyssa, and um, I want to hear your your thoughts. Do you think America really hates women as much as the New York Times poll found America hates women? No, I think that the, the, the these magazines and these newspapers and these sites, they tell people it's okay to think that way. Do you know what I mean? Like this fucking quote, this one really got me. 
Um, let's see, quote, there's just something about her that I just don't like. She said, I just don't feel like she's a genuine candidate. I find her body language to be very off-putting. She's very cold. She's basically a Hillary Clinton clone. And the woman went on to say that female presidential candidates in general are super unlikable. This woman was asked about Elizabeth Warren. Okay, here's the thing. You can say a lot of things if you want to about Elizabeth Warren. You can say her policies are pie in the sky that, you know, I guess that's to me, that's really maybe all you could potentially say about her. But to say Elizabeth Warren is very cold. Yeah, that's ridiculous. What? That is, this is a woman who came up with a fucking pinky swear who, who's done like 75,000 selfies. Look. Isn't a cold person? She is absolutely not a cold person. You know, when I read that quote, I was like, this woman is probably just talking about herself. <laughs> um, because seriously, whenever you, whenever I see somebody critique a woman in public, especially another w- woman, this is just me being like an armchair psychoanalyst. Um, but if I hear a woman talking shit about another woman and it just doesn't seem to line up or make any sense, there gets to a point where I'm like, oh, you're talking about yourself. <laughs> you're- well, here's an interest. Here's another thing though, too, that was interesting. in one of the articles that we read when Hillary Clinton stepped down as secretary of state in 2013, her approval oh. rating was six, was at 69 percent, not among Democrats, among Americans, right? Mm-hmm. 69? Suddenly, 69 percent. Nice. 69 percent. Nice. Second most popular secretary of state since 1948. And then she decided to run for president and she became unlikable. What the ever loving fuck is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting that it basically found that when women want to be promoted, then they become unlikable. So you have to sort of like, it's uh, people's attitudes about women around power are the same as their attitudes around women and sex. Like if a woman doesn't want sex, then she's like sexy. But if she like pursues it, then she's not sexy or there's something wrong with her. Yes. Because here's another terrific quote. Warren's know-it-all attitude. I'm just asking her to be more authentic. I want her to sound like a human being, not read a script. What? What are you She's fucking smart. Yeah. I want her to be fucking smart. I want her to be smarter than me. I want her to be, I want whoever the president is to be way smarter than me. Presidents shouldn't sound like me. (laughs) No, they absolutely should. They should not. First of all, I'm not for kids. Second of all, (laughs) I want the president to be as, as smart a person as possible. Um, Yeah, I think that, you know, reading the I'm of two minds here, Alyssa. I think on one hand, we should not pretend that we're living in a magical world of candy and gumdrops where everybody views women as human beings who have the same amount of potential as any man if they're given an opportunity to fulfill that potential. Like, let's let's not pretend we live in a world where people are completely free of internalized misogyny. But on the other hand, I don't think that it's fair to pretend that we live in a world that is all misogyny. You know, I think that the, yes. the truth lies somewhere in between the darkness of that woman saying Elizabeth Warren's body language is cold and, mm. you know, the kind of the kind of uh, interior design Xanax that is our world of like the wing and all women book clubs and like sisterhood. It's somewhere in between that. And I think that we have to we have to reckon with the reality of the fact that some men and some women hate women. Um, but also there are more of us who don't. And I think we're the ones who need to stand up and organize and vote and make our voices heard again and again until uh, we've outlived all of them. 
Yes. And also stop writing in newspapers and in articles that this, this bullshit, like the thing is they perpetuate it. That's the, you know, that's the thing. I know people think this way, but the more that you write about it and ask people questions about it, it gives them the idea that it makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. I think that there's one, it's one thing to report on something and it's another thing to reinforce something. And I don't know this. Exactly. As the kids would say, that ain't it, chief. Right. Is that what the kids say? What does that even mean? I don't know. I'm 43, girl. I don't know. Have you had anybody say, okay, boomer to you yet? Um, okay. I've heard about it. I heard it on the Amtrak train the other day. It wasn't directed at me. I did Google it because I had not heard it before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, boomer. Um, I love it. I love it. I think the teens did a great job coming up with a cutting remark and I'm glad it's just not aimed at me yet. <laughs> Fuck. It's not easy. Uh, okay. Alyssa, well, uh, glad we had some good news to talk about this week. Um, yeah, that was that was an upper. An upper, yeah. Hopefully we have another one next week, but even if it's a downer, I'll be here to break it down. And so will I. All right, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito... (laughs) <laughs> not not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ bar's ultimate sampler pack. That's seven IQ bars, four IQ mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount, text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. (laughs) 
And welcome back. We've got to the part of the show where I am no longer sitting alone at a table. So nice. Not lonely. There's three wonderful women with me, and I'm going to introduce them to you right now. First up, host of the Noble Blood podcast and the author of The White Man's Guide to White Male Writers of the Western Canon, which came out this week. It's Dana Schwartz. Happy Pub Week. Thank you so much. Does it feel like you just had a baby? It does. Well, my my undercarriage is very sore. Uh, (laughs) That's so gross. We were talking undercarriage. (laughs) I I was willing myself not to say taint. I was like, don't say taint, don't say taint. (laughs) We had a whole taint conversation before this episode started. Warm it up. Just warming up. Uh, But yes, it feels like I had a baby. My book is slimy and covered in afterbirth. (laughs) And neo-Nazis are mad at me on the internet. Oh, good. You're doing something right then. Yeah. Congratulations. Right. Yeah, great job. Made me want to watch, read it more. Thank yeah. you. It's a, it's a fun book. I, I've had an advanced copy because, you know, I'm a VIP. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's it's a fun book. I was teased. I was teased about one. Did I not give you one? I'm happy to purchase it on the interweb I'm and so let sorry. the proceeds go to you and against neo-Nazism. Um, oh, that was not my sleep. plan all along, but I will bring a bunch for to <laughs> don't, don't, don't. I'm going to buy it. Well, then oh. you're going to have to. I'm going to buy it with all my wealth. <laughs> Up next, speaking of wealth, a writer and actor, a working actor who you can see on CBS's The Unicorn, it's Michaela Watkins. I better buy everybody a book. <laughs> <laughs> you come into a bar. Books for everybody. Books. Who wants a white man's guide to West? Uh, you got it to the Western Kin. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, thanks. I'm so happy to be back. I know I say this every time because it's always just feels like swaths of time have passed, but between. But, but um, I think I get. I think I get to come back a couple more times in the near future. Yay! Good. Yay. Good. That's yeah. exciting because we were like about to just paint over your star and put somebody else. Oh, heaven! <laughs> Lucy Liu. That's great. I knew it. That's my running joke. I don't know why. You're, you're going to get replaced like, by Lucy Liu. I always Lou. say that I'm going to get paid you know what? by Lucy Liu. You know what? Here's my promise to you. If mm-hmm. Hysteria ever gets big enough to attract Lucy Liu, just mm-hmm. we can just cold call her and she'll come on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to j- prank you one day. <laughs> you're going to come and Lucy Liu is going to be sitting in your chair and I'm going to be like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were coming. She's going to be doing vocal warm-ups in my chair. <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh, um, this is awkward. I guess I'm going to have to fight Lucy Liu. <laughs> She's really good at yeah, stage fighting. Yeah. I've seen movies. Yeah. I've seen Charlie's Angels full throttle. Yeah. So I know what she can do. I don't think I would take her in. She wins. She wins. She can have it. Just um, validate my parking. I'll go. <laughs> and finally, I am beyond delighted to welcome this woman to Hysteria. She is, uh, quote, just a writer who loves to write in addition to being one of the funniest women I think I've ever shared the stage with with at uh, Love It or Leave It. It's Riri Chaney. Hi. Welcome. Yay. Thank you for having me. This is so lovely and kind. Can we talk about your sleeves? Yes. I'm doing Beetlejuice Meets Autumn today. <laughs> and uh, I just really, I wanted to represent everyone who, like, we're not skipping to Christmas. We're doing fall, you know? I turn on a heater last night. Like, mm-hmm. let's do this. I feel like in LA we have to make the conscious effort yes. to enjoy fall. That's the like, only this time. This is fall. Yeah. That's it's going to be way, 89 you know degrees on Tuesday. <laughs> what? Whatever. Yes. Maybe I'll go to the beach to prep for hysteria. <laughs> I'm having a caftan party on um, Saturday. What? And I was just letting everyone know, like, I'm not joking. Catch that wind under your carriage because it's going to be 90 <laughs> degrees on Saturday. Whoa. Whoa. Caftans are flowy. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's really 
Emily, I'm having what everyone dress for the weather. A caftan party, may I? Oh, of course. Uh, it is a wig caftan housewarming for my new place. Muscles. And thank you. And everyone uh, should come when, in, if my friends are listening, either a wig or a caftan. Because <laughs> but not I, both? You could do both, but maybe you look like you're trying hard. Oh, I don't know. Man. But I just love whimsy. Oh. And there's something about being a luxurious lady or very tall fella. <laughs> <laughs> is this solely women? No. No, well, it's you can a real, ALT it. Yeah. You can ALT. I look good in caftan. Yeah. yeah. I mm-hmm. want everyone to just catch a breeze and a glass of rosé and live their best lives. Uh, we're in such a relaxing place right now. Um, I feel a little bit bad that I have to bring it. <laughs> this is going to be a hard turn. I have to bring it into a place of like non-relaxation. Um, today I wanted to talk a little bit about like public confrontations and why they're so uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. Dana, I know you have a story of this, like, because I know that, you know, when we go through our lives, you know, every once in a while we see something that's fucked up or we see a person that we're like, that person is fucked up or we, you know, it's like, I should say something. Yeah. Um, and we imagine a scenario, we imagine what we would say, but then when we're actually in it, we're like, well, oh, uh, would I actually say something? So Dana, let's talk about what happened to you. So before I start the story, I just want to preface it by saying I'm someone who, like on Twitter and in in life, like I'll, I'll if a Nazi at me, I'll add him right back. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not scared to like say something controversial. You're quick with the ads. Quick with the ads. Mm. And so I don't. I like to think of myself as someone who would be able to like call bullshit out and and be aggressive. Um, but then in real life, I'm someone who like if one person looks at me the wrong way, I shrivel up and mm. die. Yeah. Um, so I was on the subway back when I lived in New York and I was wearing like like a V-neck T-shirt, like nothing even too like booby uh, or revealing. And like I looked across from me to the woman sitting and she was like gesturing to like indicate that the man standing like right next to where I was sitting was like taking pictures down my shirt Jesus. with his phone. Gross. Uh, which is a gross thing that you shouldn't do and made me very uncomfortable. And I feel like a cartoon homicidal maniac just leapt out of my mouth. It's yeah. just like when I hear these stories. And so like <sighs> in my mind, I kept saying the words like, hey, Delete that picture. Like, hey, what are you doing? Like, I and yet, yet I was paralyzed. It was like sleep paralysis. Like, mm-hmm, like yeah. feel, oh. right where you like you can see the things that Visceral. you should be doing, but you can't do it. So for like three subway stops, I just like rehearsed in my head the thing I would say, yeah. um, and then finally, like, I think it was so long where I was like, hey, delete the picture, and he just bolted out of the car. Yeah, because he couldn't handle being it even slightly called on the nonsense and horror that he needed to do like that That was like his thing yeah that was his bit you can google boobs there are so many out there (laughs) there's no boobs on the internet he's got a very highly trafficked down shirt and website oh that's even worse look i just went there but but i just you know did you not like picture just like taking his phone and smashing i did in my in my head i was just like all these things and i just could not move and i'm someone who like I public speak a lot. Like I'm, I'm not someone who's afraid of of yeah public speaking or being out there, or being public, and like just the one on one of like I've never. I think part of it is also like in any breakup, even when someone like breaks up with me, I've never had that moment where I get to be like fuck you mm-hmm. and mean yeah. it, mm-hmm. which I think is such a great powerful mm-hmm. moment. Like someone will break up with me and I'll be like I'm so sorry I wasn't what you wanted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm. I hate the idea. I never want to 
burn a bridge sounds aggressive, but I hate the idea of someone like, this person will hate me and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I usually, instead of burning bridges, I like to leave them in disrepair until they just collapse. <laughs> um, so a lot of just infrastructural. Yeah, yeah. I just like, it's infrastructure week always in my circle, in my social circle. That's healthier. But with a confrontation, you have to reach a point at which you're like, this, I deem this person a asshole mm-hmm. and I don't care that he thinks I'm aggressive or mean or bitchy or whatever. Right. The should I say something, I should say something. Yeah. Riri, you had an experience with the should I say something, yes, I should, yes. and you did. Yeah. It, uh, I think I'm also not huge on confrontation and I think that's a longer story of just, I went to an all-girls school that within our enclave of ladies around a Harkness table, you can say anything, but then when I had to talk to other people, I wasn't really always standing in my power or my opinion. Uh, This time I did uh, because uh, the first time I went home for Thanksgiving after college, a few weeks before, hey, spooky season, 2007, (laughs) a, a girl in my class had posted on Facebook a photo of herself in blackface as Aunt Jemima. Oh, my God. And this was a uh, lovely white girl that I had known since I was six years old, five years old. Um, And it was on Facebook, and it was burning through my spirit because she was smiling in a sorority pose Mm. on Facebook. So there was no shame about it. She was tagged in it. And I texted all my friends about it, and I had a lot of white girlfriends at the time. Like, I can't believe she did that, whatever. And it was just burning in me. And I saw her at a bonfire woods party, hey, Maryland, uh, (laughs) over Thanksgiving. And it took me a little bit of time after seeing her, like, am I going to say something? Like, is this the moment? And I could not stop myself because I just saw her smiling and so happy to be home. And I realized, I guess I'm the only person, one of the only people in her history that she can consider being like a black female friend. And even though we aren't close now and haven't been for a long time, I knew I had to say something. So I went up to her and asked, why did you think that was a good idea? And who have you allowed in your life to co-sign that? Oh, what did she react? She was like, but, but re like my friend was being Betty Crocker. I was like, yo, there was no other culinary figure that you didn't have to be in blackface for. You could have been in the Pillsbury Doughboy. He's white. I'm sorry. Paula D would have loved that shit. I, it was more like Betty Cracker. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But it was, it was in front of, you know, a, good amount of folk that were from our year who were back and it got a little bit of attention in this you know family rec room of and I didn't I tried to say it with kindness but I was so angry. Did she cry at you? No, she was at you. No, at that's, you. I mean, that's that, a thing, though. Like you, somebody confronts you with something that you've done that's fucked up, yeah. and, and you know it. You know it's fucked up, and the only thing you can do is like, uh, like projectile <laughs> yeah, tear. Like, at them. I didn't mean it, really. Like, yeah. please take my white tears. No, it was more of. But you know me. You know me. That was. You know it was a joke. Did that she was, apologize? I mean, did no, she never apologize? Oh, oh but like, thank God. I mean. You did a the right thing to to tell her because that's a horrible thing. But like she had no one in her life to tell her that that was a messed up thing. And I think that was and sometimes you put your, you know, 30 year old goggles on 18 year old self. But I think Mm -hmm. that was a part of it where I was like she grew up. I've known her since we were kids. And so she's had a little bit of diversity. I went to mostly white school, but there were enough of us around there so she couldn't pull that shit in front of us. But now she's left this liberal vagina fest for four months and this Mm -hmm. happens. Right. Which is kind of amazing to me to think of like folk who are that quickly susceptible 
to things that I find abhorrent. But I think the it was just important for me because I just passively watching it was too was very hard for me mm-hmm. um, over uh, Halloween, especially because I didn't have a costume. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really it was really really rough. And but at the same time, I didn't want anything from her. She didn't have more power than me. I didn't need anything from her. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't risking anything. I wasn't risking my safety on a subway. You didn't know how, like, yeah. you never know how someone's going to react. You never know how, like, men are going to react to you calling them out on trying to sexually press themselves on you. But so I give my, sometimes I'm like, that didn't count because I didn't need anything from her. But fuck it. But fuck it counted because you put yourself in the vulnerable position of her not liking. I'm putting, like, liking in air mm-hmm. quotes. But, like. Anytime that you're calling someone on their thing. Yeah, and who knows if she could have walked away and been like, Riri's being so crazy. Yeah, like that's a... I didn't care. I had a really great baby fat jacket on that night. I was really standing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's really hard. It's hard because you were talking about like, I've seen confrontations of a person who's a a friend or an acquaintance Mm. or whatever that have started the same way that that confrontation started, which is like a photo and then there's a group text where we're all like, that was fucked up. Like, isn't that fucked up? And then one person ends up being the ambassador of fucked upness and actually having to do the confrontation, which is like hard. It's Mm -hmm. hard to like get yourself you know, in a position where you're like, okay, going to do this. Like, okay, like, yeah. Well, know. especially like now that I think of it and I have wonderful, lovely women that I still just went to a wedding with. I love them all. But the onus was on me mm-hmm. because, you know, I was the black face there. And mm-hmm. so they're like, well, it's really upsetting. <laughs> that just made me giggle. Um, that's, it was really upsetting to me. And all my friends were saying it was upsetting to them, but no one said anything. Mm-hmm. But But is the onus on you? I mean, that is, I'm genuinely asking like, is it upon somebody else to go like, that's not cool? Or is it uh, on the onus on her one black friend? I mean, now I would say white girls get your girl. But at the time, because I was very often the only uh, black face around these women, and that was just, you know, I graduated in class of 84, and I would say there were probably 13 black girls and a few Southeast Asian girls. So we always had to be the ones of like, that's it's messed up that we don't have any black teachers. Mm. That's messed up that, you know, the boys across the street are treating the black men this way. And I, part of my growth has been, especially after 2016, has been I'm not going to take that burden on myself anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a friend right after the election email me, you know, what are we going to do? And I replied back, you need to figure that out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, has been my way of not <laughs> having my mind explode, having to confront everyone about, you know, the folk who say, just because you voted for Trump, you're not racist. Just because, you know, you believe this, you're not uh, voting against those who are already disenfranchised. I've had to kind of free myself from that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it works great. And other times you see folks taking a cop out and it's really frustrating. Um, And I don't know, it's, it's just really hard because I still have that impulse to say something. But for the people that I feel like I need nothing from and that they can't hurt me, but everyone uh, cuts differently. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the 2016 point is interesting because, like, I think that after 2016, we saw a lot of people decide, like, oh, I'm going to be, I am personally going to be okay, but I am not okay with the fact that these other people aren't going to be okay, so I'm going to speak up. Like, Michaela, Mm -hmm. you had a situation last year where you totally didn't have to weigh in, but you did. Uh, This past summer, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, I... 
wrote an op-ed after uh, for my hometown, Syracuse, New York, uh, and I didn't make it a big public thing because I felt like this is really between this is my beef with between me and the Congressman Kako from Syracuse who voted against the resolution to condemn Trump's racist remarks when he called the four women told the four women to go back to where they came from mm-hmm. and the squad. The squad. And I was apoplectic about it because you can say a lot of things about Syracuse and believe me, I have. It's like <laughs> been, you know, the punchline of a lot of my jokes. But but one of the things I would say about it that I really took for granted was what a sort of diverse city it is for being in the middle of nowhere. And how this I I called this congressman, you know, a toxic stain on on that town and how, you know, I just I just wrote a, a whole op-ed about it and it was received. Um, well, I mean, I don't know how it was received, really, because the people who take the time to write comments are, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, they have time, yeah. have the time to write. They've got comments. they don't have anybody else to listen to them talk. Yeah. So they're just writing comments. On yeah. Them. And some of them are legit. Like, you know, you don't live here anymore. That is true. I don't. But if my you know, if you're going to claim me as Syracuse native in the newspaper, I get to tell you what I think. You don't have to print it and you don't have to read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But um, I I did it and it was met with a lot of, you know, pushback. Of course, and I know when you when when you are right, when I felt very right about my position and believe me, the week afterwards, you know, there were mass shootings um, that were yeah. racially targeting people. Um, I and I, I, I explain that in my op-ed how dangerous, you know, not not condemning this would be um, on a national level. Uh, I I open myself up to to a lot of, you know, uh, uh, anger and, and and people attacked me instead yeah. of attacking my argument. And that just showed me like I was right. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, based on what you're saying, Dana and and Rick, like confrontation, because I am so conflict averse and I have always been until very recently, Aaron, like you're saying until the election, you have to, it can only come from a place of feeling safe. And the only time I I sort of give any credit to real confrontation and public calling out someone publicly is when you don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Like these women, you know, in the club where Weinstein mm-hmm. was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Th- let's, let's talk about there's that. There's like this uh, man who a hundred, a hundred women accused of sexual assault and and all they, the money and power in the world. All the money and him. power in the world. He's flanked by these two women. I'm guessing he hired women bodyguards because that is the only reason any women would like hang around with this man is because they were paying him so much money to protect him, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's my theory. <laughs> Conspiracy alert. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this woman is on stage subjected to being coveted, looked at, you know, and and the fact that they thought based on this Me Too movement, you know, that they thought they were safe enough to confront this man yeah. and then find out in that moment they, that, no, New Yorkers don't have your back. Mm-hmm. And that to me was so upsetting, but also made me just really applaud these women even more because it just wasn't safe. I mean, mm-hmm. it's there's a safety in in attacking, you know, 
uh, calling out people on the internet, it's, you know, there's a real safety because you're behind so many firewalls. Mm-hmm. But, but when you are in public and you, and you say something to somebody, when you have the moment, I, there's this moment I replay over and over and over again. My best girlfriend in college was raped in high school no, and I'm I went sorry. to her hometown and we were sitting in a coffee shop and her rapist walked in oh, wow. and I, he looked like a rapist. I don't know what that says, but he just looked like a bad guy. Like he looked like a very attractive, like a lifetime rapist. Like, yeah, like, like in like 16 candles would call him an oily bohunk. You know what I mean? Like he just looked like a guy who I would have a crush on in high school and who would end up like hurting me, you know? Um, and I replayed not. I replayed the paralyzation yeah. that yeah. I felt sitting in that chair and not getting up and pointing at him and going, "Rapist! You raped!" You know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, pointing at him and how I just replayed it over and over and over again for years. And I just never want to feel that kind of paralysis ever again. Mm-hmm. What Michaela was saying about like the the safety behind the screen, mm-hmm. I had like. I think the easiest confrontation of my life truly was when I worked at the New York Observer and I was getting like a ton of anti-Semitic hate from like Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. Well, the paper, my paper was owned by Jared Kushner. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, they. I, when I got the job, I was like, so like, is it weird? And they're like, no, it's all going to trust me. He'll lose. Everything will go back to normal. Don't worry. And I was like, mm, all right. Um <laughs> but I didn't like that Trump was like, well, I have a Jewish son-in-law and a Jewish grandkids, so I can't be anti-Semitic. My Jews. And I got so upset and I was getting so much hate on a daily basis, like like people being like, I'm going to turn you into a lampshade, like really. And my boyfriend at the time wasn't Jewish and saw like people were sending me memes of a lampshade and he's like, I don't get it. And I was like, it's a physical threat. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's subtle because mm-hmm. it's a dog whistle for me. Mm-hmm. Um and I was so furious that I wrote this open letter and I, the Observer was not a well-run organization. <laughs> and I just like emailed my editor. I was like, hey, can I post this? And they were like, yep. And I was like, post? Mm-hmm. I'm like, did not and proofread it. And like people said that that was brave, but it didn't feel brave because I was in no physical. I felt very protected behind the computer screen. One, I felt like I was 100% correct. Mm-hmm. I was like filled with that like righteous indignant anger of like I am right mm-hmm. and I will make my case and I think people will agree with me. Mm-hmm. And also I was like Jared I ne- he never came to the office. I never saw him. He was not a he was an abstract concept of a person. He wasn't a real person. Mm-hmm. I think like you could, everyone can call out Harvey Weinstein behind our computer screens because yeah. we've never met him, we've never seen him, we don't. I've know. met him. Oh, guys, I'm so sorry. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I went to Sundance. It's like one in the morning. There's only one place to eat. I'm sorry, I don't want to derail what you were. Just no, that saying, was. David. I was just spinning my wheels of okay. anger. Please derail. I'm just gonna really bloop in. You can <laughs> cut this if you want. But um, I, I, this is an example of power. Um, but I, uh, it was like one in the morning. We're all starving because you ate, you know, food the size of a thumbnail. <laughs> all, Just whispers. All night. Of yeah, power. you ate fumes, you ate fumes, fumes. of tuna, uh, <laughs> tartar. Um, but I. I was starving. There's this one place called Pizza Noodle. It's like open until four in the morning or something. It's garbage food, Mm, but it's packed out at one in the morning. And I was there 
for a short film, uh, and I was sitting with... Uh, merci. And so I was sitting with a group of people who, at the time, we were nameless, but now they're all, like, big fucking names, which is crazy. But this is what this is the tenor of what was happening. At the table next to us, what you do is you go, you order your food, you get a number uh, of your table, and they bring the food to your table. Your table has a number. Well, I accidentally named the number of the table next to me. We're starving. They're next to us sits down like 10 people, Harvey Weinstein and nine of his little minions on blackberries, like with their faces down. They're all whipped, you know, just like scared little whip dogs staring at their blackberries, you know, and buying movies, I guess. And then out <laughs> comes our food, our long, long awaited oh, no. food. And it goes to fucking Harvey Weinstein's table. And I stand up and go, wait, you have, <laughs> you have our food. And before I can even say anything, one of his big sausage <gasps> fingers is in my stuffed <gasps> shitty mushrooms, shoving him in his mouth. And I'm like, I think you have our food. And these guys all look up from their blackberries, stare at me, nod, no. And then go back down, looking down at the, you know, and I was just like, oh, and my blood went cold. And my friend, <laughs> I'm just going to say who it is. I'm just going to say who it is. Nick Kroll is sitting with me and he's like, drop it, drop it, drop it. And I'm like, but they, have, but they have our pizza. And he's like, drop it, drop it. It doesn't matter. Just let him eat it. Let him eat it. <laughs> <laughs> and I and then everybody went around the table and told like these like fables that are turned out to be true of all the abusive ways, not sexually abusive, but like mean yeah. abusive things that he's done. And I was like, oh, they just clocked me, took my name. And now my, I just ruined my career over stuffed mushrooms. <laughs> I was convinced for about a week that I had done. Turns out I wasn't wrong, guys. He took women's names and blotted them out and ruined their careers yeah. because he wouldn't let they wouldn't let him fuck them. So, you know, I, I wasn't totally wrong. You skated through with those. He but, took your mushrooms. But it he didn't occur to mushrooms. me to be afraid of this man. Yeah. It, it was only because every the, well, everybody also, else told me you cannot confront this person. What a normal human interaction of like, oh, I'm so sorry, that's my food. They'd I like, mean, oh, me. it's a normal interaction. Also, the fact that he did not know what he was supposed to eat. Yeah, he well, just was like, oh, food. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Like, oh, these mushrooms gonna put on my fingers. They put them in my mouth. <laughs> I had that moment where I was on a plane and I was sitting in the aisle seat, and the guy comes down. And he goes, "I'm in 36F." And I'm like, yeah, that's the window seat. And he's like, no, I, I got an aisle. I'm in 36F. And I'm like, okay, but but this is my seat. He's like, but I'm in the aisle. And I'm like, no, you're not. And he was so confident and aggressive and objectively wrong, <laughs> which I is so counter to how I go did through you, Did you acquiesce? No, I kept in my seat. Yeah. I pointed, you gotta I, stand strong. I pointed yeah. at the ground. diagram for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I tweeted, like, this I is could, a picture of a window. <laughs> this is the letter A. I could have literally built the plane myself and like designed it. And I still would have been like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, excuse me. I think you might possibly maybe be in my seat. Yeah. Like, that's just like the way I go through life, which isn't right. Well, confrontation is hard even when you're even when you're right. Like, you know, you you said that you weren't afraid when you wrote that op-ed for the New York. But I feel like I would have been afraid even if I was right and it was in person. Right. Like, I wouldn't have gone to his office and been like, knock, knock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but confrontation is scary. But I think like culturally and as a society, we're like addicted to consuming confrontation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, we love a good video of a woman losing her shit. Yeah. But also like every time I laugh at a video of like a confrontation, I think I better not 
ever get to that point because I will also look ridiculous if I well, confront somebody. I mean, and there's there scary versions of it. I think of like when you were talking about the airplane or, you know, a diner with a monster, <laughs> those are two spaces where I would not have been able to stop mm-hmm. because food and seats are so important to me. And these are spaces where I've realized like there's enough rule of law mm-hmm. to yeah. make me be right. Like the fact that I'm right and I will be victorious. Mm-hmm. But then you think of, but then there is the man <laughs> who cut a man in line at Popeye's and got stepped and was murdered. Mm-hmm. And that happened this week. And that is so scary. And, and to think that and it happened in Maryland, unfortunately, and to think that, folk are so quick to trigger in a physical way in a because everyone's we're so heightened in so many facets right now mm-hmm. that there's I don't know I feel like there are the you know the funny things that that relieve us but then you think that there are extreme versions of this happening all over the country mm-hmm. and I don't know what the healing of that is I don't know what the safe expression of of your uh, slighted feelings. Yeah, women is. women put themselves at physical risk yes. when mm-hmm. they confront people. I always hear my mother being like, "Don't give him the finger; he'll shoot you." My yeah. the most embarrassing moment maybe of my teenage life, truly, like I wanted to sink into the car seat and die, was my mom and I were in a busy parking lot, like I'm sure holiday season, and some guy like raced past us and cut us off and whatever, and was just and we somehow ended up that we were next to each other, mm-hmm. and my mom goes, "Roll down the window to him." Has him roll down the window oh doing goodness. that thing. And he, like, rolls down his window for, like, the middle-aged Jewish lady. And my mom goes, you are a big fool. <laughs> <laughs> if you roll down your window when a middle-aged Jewish lady tells you to roll down your window, you are asking. You know what's You're going to get yelled at. Like, that's your fault. She didn't even yell. She wasn't, like, You're screaming. Gonna get she called. just was like, you are a big fool. You're and then she kept driving. Get and called I just, a big fool at I, best. I wanted to die. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> but did you think it's so crazy? Like, it's so funny because like I have a bit of road rage and living in Los Angeles doesn't mm-hmm. really help that. Um, but every time I hear, a, you know, a very scary story, it, it slows me down and I, I feel like I can control my body a little bit more. But like I, there are our, like moms early on telling us like some violence can happen to us, like Michaela said. And I think that is still the the cycle or the tape rolling in my brain that makes me not press end. Oh yeah, don't honk at the person or he'll don't, follow you and stab you. Don't tell him not to take, you know, step in front of you. Don't, you know, they could they could hurt you. Mm-hmm. And so we have these barriers of just to, I guess, even to have any type of self-expression that we call confrontation or sometimes folk who can't handle being called out call confrontation. Right. I think sometimes people um, will even interpret being non-emotional as a form of confrontation yeah. from a woman because it's like they ex- you're supposed to be all sweetness and light in every possible interaction, even if you're in the right and they're in the wrong. Like recently... Um, we ha- we were waiting oh God, for that's so true. That's it, such a good point. Like we were waiting for a repairman to come, and the the repairman gave us like a window of like six hours. <laughs> and I worked at home that day yeah. instead of going into an office yeah. space to work. I worked at home and I waited for him, and he didn't come. Mm, and yeah. then the company was like, "Oh, he'll come tomorrow. We'll give you a two hour window." So I was like, "Okay, fine." And we need like we needed him to come. There was like no, we were at a total disadvantage. And he came two hours after the two hour window the next day. So I had spent like nine hours waiting for him. Mm-hmm. And when he showed up, I was extremely cold. He was like, okay, where is it? And I was like, just go in there and do it. And like, no, no emotion, no expression, whatever. And when my fiance came home and was like settling up with him, um, the guy was like, your wife, she wants to, she wants to kill me. Yeah. It's like, 
look, dude, I'm not going to be fucking nice to you. I mean, and like the fact that he was interpreting that as a form of confrontation because I wasn't like, oh, my God, hi. Do you want some lemonade? Do you want me to rub your feet? Like, oh, my God, I'm a woman. You're a man. I'm going to be nice to you all the time. Like that is exhausting. It's also so sexist and dismissive to like go to the husband and be like, you're a wife. Also, we're not even married. But like (laughs) it's like as if she's as if we're living in sin, Dana. He wouldn't he didn't confront you. He did that like bro thing. Like, like, get your bitch in line. Yeah. Not, you know what I mean? We had a contractor who did that, too. Like, I couldn't I couldn't talk to him and he wouldn't talk to me because the one time I called him out on something, he lost his shit. Mm -hmm. And he he did it when my husband wasn't around. And I was like, oh, it's going to be like this. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm not talking to him. Yeah. I had a Lyft driver who was picking me up late after dinner from a friend's place. It was raining and he said he arrived and I walked out and he wasn't there. And I called him. He's two blocks over, the algorithm, whatever. And I am in the rain. And I don't uh, follically like being outside the, in the rain. <laughs> Understandable. And he, I asked, do you want me to walk over? It might be faster. He's like, no, just stay in there. And when I got in the car, he's like, I could tell from your picture you were going to be a problem. <gasps> what? And oh. then so now it's, you know, 1130. And I am now like trying to be the kindest I've ever been to this man because I'm actually afraid. Uh-huh. But I can't just like get dropped yeah. off in the middle. You're of, stuck in his car. I'm stuck in his car. And I have a very a medium rating, I think, because sometimes it's it's always the phone conversation before, which is kind of hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's always that conversation of, so you're not outside of the Belmont and I need a car. Could you please come to where I am, mm-hmm. please, now? And they're like, you don't have to take that tone with me, miss. Yeah. Well, right. It's like any form of confrontation is interpreted as you are wrong because you have to be nice. And like, actually, you know, I was just thinking about the way that we have to like placate situations where it's like I I need like once I had my car vandalized and I the cops were assholes and I had to like be nice to them because I needed them to like fill out a police report. Um, I was just thinking about this Dahlia Lithwick piece. Did you guys read her? Dahlia Lithwick is a Supreme Court reporter for um, for Slate, and she's incredible. She has a podcast called Amicus, which I listen to all the time. Um, Very nerdy, but it's great. She wrote a piece last week about how she hasn't gone back to the Supreme Court chamber since the Kavanaugh. Um, And because she's like, look, we're now in a system of like this guy is a total asshole. He was like confrontational, threw a fit, whatever. And now like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Sonia Sotomayor and Elena Kagan have to like placate him to get him to do the things that aren't like insane. And like, I refuse to participate in what happened. It was wrong. And like, I feel like that's a form of confrontation, but there's just like no winning. And there's so many situations that are like that, where it's like, well, now I have to be nice to you. Where participation and engaging in the system is like a tacit form of of, uh, validate. Yeah. Yeah. Endorsing it. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot about the like speaking truth to power type thing, because Dahlia Lithwick can can skip the Supreme Court all she wants and nothing is going to change, Mm -hmm. except for her being justified and possibly like feeling better about herself. I think sometimes confrontation, I think confrontation can be twofold. One, because you need to get, you want to change something. You want to say, this isn't okay. This needs to change. But I also think it's important to do confrontations if you need to do it for who you are as a person. Like Mm -hmm. your former friend who did blackface, like I don't, hopefully she learned and knows how awful that is. But like, I think you as a person it sounds like like that. Oh the no! Thing if you I hadn't had said say. anything, that would be something that haunted me. Yeah, but like, yeah, and that there is a mixture of of yeah. If you have power enough not to to abstain mm-hmm. and not play within the system, that is uh, wonderful. And I, I hope to be at that level. And and 
unfortunately I'm not. And so it's trying to negotiate with yourself of how much can you bear. Mm-hmm. And, but it does make me think of like these these Supreme Court justices who are women that I look up to and have worked so hard to get that far and they're still playing this game. I wonder, is it just something we were all taught when we were so small that we can't, on both sides, on all genders of mm-hmm. like, you know, l- little boys being taught, well, sh- that little girl's just really emotional. You need to, you know, like just p- push through it, ignore her. Mm-hmm. Versus if you want him to be play with you, you have to give him your, you know, emerald green crayon, which is the best crayon. Like, <laughs> how do you... I don't know how we untangle these things that are have been systematically placed upon us to feel comfortable saying, you know what, we are the experienced justices and you were a red-faced baby on national TV. Mm-hmm. Here is how it goes mm-hmm. without worrying that we, he's going to disenfranchise even more groups than he already has. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's like scary how much power that man has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and white men, let's just gen- to generalize, are mm-hmm. generally the safest demographic. And so they have the most leeway to actually confront. Like mm-hmm. we get a lot of um, emails from listeners who are white men who want advice on like, how do I stand up to this? How do I stand? And it's like, I can't tell you how because mm-hmm. I, I don't I yeah. don't know how it feels to be as safe as you are all the time, even though I'm like only slightly less safe as a white woman in an urban center. Um, but interestingly, they don't feel as safe. Right. So but it's like but you're the safest group. Like mm-hmm. you come into it being like, I am the safe. I am. I'm in a position where I have the ability to talk to people who won't listen to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's. That's really important. I was actually, I wanted to pivot really quick before we uh, we ended this conversation, which is fantastic. Um, I wanted to talk about like con- like the confrontation as a group. Like, so let's say you want to com- confront somebody like the president of the United States. You can't oh, just, wa- yeah, you can't walk up to Donald Trump and be like, you're mean, oh you know, or God. send him a tweet or whatever. Unless you're like five, which yeah. that little girl who was just so <laughs> cute, yeah. so amazing. Yeah. Um, or unless amazing. you're in a minion costume and getting candy put on your head and this is like, um, but, but like, you know, but what you can do is be part of a big crowd, like at a World Series game that mm-hmm. just Oh, that booing was so U- cathartic. Or a UFC fight. And mm-hmm. it like, sometimes I think that participating in like even that tiny little bit of confrontation, like booing the president at a UFC fight when you're not quite sure, I think that that's a form of, like, it's a really mm-hmm. good thing. It normalizes not liking the president. Have you ever seen a public booing of somebody besides Donald Trump that you found cathartic? That was the Ooh. most cathartic because then it, you feel like it's not just me. I'm like, it's not just our bubble. We're not crazy. Yeah. People don't like it. I know. Also, like it was more even that it was that I felt like the first time he was exposed to the real <laughs> bellwether of how people feel about yeah. him. It I mean, if you can't win face. people over at a sporting event, the most American sporting <laughs> event of all time, you know. I don't. He's trying again, though. He's going to an SEC football game. Oh, gee, that's he's just keeps safe. leveling down. SEC football game. That's, I mean, yeah. like uh, Trump is one of those people that I think I'm not to get inside his head, but I feel like booing. Him particularly is one of those things that really would get oh, his yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he responds uh, poorly to not having people uh, <laughs> love him. That not was such yeah, a nice waves way of, of adulation. <laughs> <laughs> I am from the Midwest. Sometimes, uh, sometimes my being mean is just like bless her heart. Yeah, it's a sort of like, oh, that's interesting that you decided to do that. 
That's a that's a mean thing for me to say. I love to say, do you think that was a good idea? That's my <laughs> version of that. <laughs> my mom said the following about, I, I tweeted this, but uh, Sean Duffy is my parents' representative. My mom said this about Sean Duffy. Well, he sure thinks he's something. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so beautiful. That's like a bless. A, a Wisconsin blesses. Oh, heart. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin blesses heart for sure. Well, um, we have to wrap up this conversation about confrontation, but I loved Boo. it. Yeah. Uh, no. Hey, hey, yes. hey, hey. Okay. Uh, thank you guys so much. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, it's the hills will die on. You can live out your master chef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, we're back with The Hills Will Die On. Let's get started with our listener hill. Okay. So I live in Wisconsin, and the Yay. hill that I will die on is the general panic that gets spread when the first snowfall of the year is about <laughs> to hit, and suddenly everybody develops amnesia about how to drive in the snow. <laughs> As if they haven't lived in Wisconsin for most likely their entire lives, where it snows every fucking year. <laughs> this happens every year, like it's goddamn Groundhog's Day. <laughs> oh my goodness, I so relate oh, to that. Really but real. you know what? My, I've got bad news from the coast. It happens here every time it rains. rains. Everybody forgets how to drive. It also happens when the sun is setting and it's setting directly at the way you're driving. People, for, people yeah. forget how to drive. In the sun, people forget how to drive under any circumstances, mm -hmm. and it is it is exceptionally people bad. People forget in that when there's a when your whole state is on fire and a fire truck is going down the street, you gotta pull over. That you gotta pull over. Gotta people pull over. are like, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. move. It, Somebody's every, house is burning down. You I think it's idiot. it is crazy that we rely on cars. It is insane yeah. that we just let people drive. I mean, I don't trust people to make my sandwich correctly. How am I driving down the street thinking they're not gonna? murder me. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. It's amazing that so many people live their lives unmurdered by cars. Yeah. Yeah. Boom, shakalaka. I yes. Know. I don't These even know. Dana, you're ruining my day. <laughs> I'm about to drive somewhere after this. and Well, I have to drive. But it's like, oh, God. It's all going to be great. Just be careful out there, everybody. Yeah. Everybody be careful. Drive be, safe, Be bud. courteous. Use, overuse your turn signal if exactly. you have to. Be courteous. Um, and okay. stop using Waze as a video game that you have to beat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying this to myself. <laughs> I'm like, you think I'm going to get there in 22 minutes? I shall do it in 18. <laughs> I, I don't need to stop walking. at this red light. I used to do the walking in Google Maps. Yeah. It's like, well, oh. Google Maps isn't for the Swift. Yeah. It's, no. no, it's for a meandering sidewalk hog that really shouldn't be able to walk. I still have anger from when I lived on the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> but it's horrible. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Okay, so here's the hill I'll die on. Um, this morning, mm -hmm. I saw among the trending topics on Twitter that were recommended to me um, a story about how the hair bump from the mid aughts oh, Remember the hair bump? Snooky. The snooky hair. It's coming. It's it's. Coming back. No, it's and not. to that, I have this to say. Over my dead body. <laughs> over my dead body. The hair bump is not, you know what? Here's what I've here's what I've tolerated coming back. Wide leg jeans, mm -hmm. okay, fine. Mm -hmm. Crazy sleeves, Riri's really rocking it. I've accepted crazy sleeves. I've accepted all kinds. I've accepted metal framed glasses. You didn't accept back. the cutout shoulder. 
Well, no, I, I reject that. And, mm-hmm. the, and you didn't like clogs. Right? No, I, re- I rebuke both of those things in the name of Jesus. But I <laughs> I will accept wide leg jeans. There are a bunch of things I will accept. Hair bumps, mm-hmm. not fucking one you know, of them. My theory about hair bumps, though, is it's people growing out bangs, right? Uh, no, no, there's no. nothing okay about it. It's like, yes. Dana, I will wrestle you right <laughs> As someone who's never had a hair bump and never had bangs, I'm just trying to have good <laughs> Christian charity. You should rock a bang for fun. Just for fun. I don't think I could. You I call can. it a call it a fringe. Be I think crazy. my forehead's too small. Oh yeah. Anyway, no. Like Kayla's trying to talk me into bangs. I am. <laughs> no, don't do it. I just grow. I just finished growing them out, and I'm still. I still have dreams sometimes that I wake up and I have bangs again, and I have to grow them out again. And it's do not, it now. Do it. My in bangs looked great, so I think we all have different journeys. I, I did. <laughs> I had a real mixed bag. Some people liked mine. Some people hated them. Uh-huh. If I Google Michaela Watkins bangs, will they come up? I doubt it. Do it. Let's see. Did they come up? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just me banging some guys. <laughs> banging them out. I like it. Oh, Is yeah. This side bangs? Okay, that's, that's that, that was a grow-out phase. <laughs> that was a grow-out phase. I, I think it's cute. I like those bangs. I love that the Google images oh, those are so are cute. thorough. I was, yeah, those, those are cute. They're really cute on you. Wow. Hideous <laughs> like No sex results for Michaela Watkins' Right, bangs. exactly. <laughs> oh, fake bangs. Those are fake bangs. Those are fake from bangs? From Wet Hot American oh, yeah. Summer, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, okay, um... Sorry to derail your hell. Oh, no, it's totally fine. I just don't. No, ladies. We don't we need, need it. To, we need to unionize. We don't we need, need it. To uni- no more banging gross guys. <laughs> no more hair bumps. No more tans that stain, stain your sheets. No, we don't have to. We don't have to enforce pedicure season on each other. We can mm. just Ooh. opt in. We should unionize. Everything is opt in. Everything should be opt in. OK, that's the hill I'll die on this week. Can hair I- bumps can eat my ass. Dana, do you want to go next? Uh, people complain about honeydew. Unjustly. Honeydew, I think, is a good fruit. It's refreshing. It doesn't no. have a lot of no. taste. No. It's good. Bad honeydew is bad. It's mushy, flavorless. So but, is a bad apple, though. Yeah, but good honeydew. But here's my hill. Why are honeydew and cantaloupe always together? I know. They're like a clingy couple. I don't because like it. Because the chances of getting a bad honeydew are like 78%, and the chances of getting a bad cantaloupe are down to 30 So but you mix I think, them. I think... Honeydew would would get a better rep mm-hmm. if it was just celebrated good honeydew on its own. So I well, think justice for honeydew because it's always just lumped in as cantaloupe second fiddle, and that's not fair to the honeydew. But honeydew is the tofu of fruit in that it takes the flavor of anything that's in it. And cantaloupe is a messy little bitch that puts her juice on everything else. It makes it taste <laughs> like that. So I think it's because they're like, let's double up the amount of cantaloupe. I've thought about that. I think it's just filler. I think they use honeydew as filler, and I wish more fruit artisans would figure out Maybe the flavor like profile that makes honeydew A honeydew great. sprinkled you know, with like, pomegranates. Like, you're right. Like melon and prosciutto is now like a thing. Like mm-hmm. find honeydew's moment. Let's give honeydew a moment. Uh, Fried chicken. No, honeydew is no. no. Honeydew I'm is saying the, something that can't taste bad. It's Blame the y'all. iceberg lettuce of fruits. But it is just crunchy lettuce, water. Yeah. But but mm-hmm. I agree with you. But iceberg lettuce is great in a wedge or a cob. No, you, but that's no. It's once again the tofu of lettuces. It's taking <laughs> the flavor of the blue cheese and the in the bacon bacon bits. But it's the crunchy texture. The iceberg lettuce shines in a wedge. Okay, well, oh Dana, you can have all the honeydew and iceberg lettuce that I am not going to be eating. Yeah, the, that I that I pull out of my fruit <laughs> salad, I'll put on your plate. <laughs> Fine, Michaela, do you want to go next? Sure. Okay, I've been traveling a lot lately, so uh, this is to all you travelers out there. <laughs> 
Is it sleepless in Seattle? <laughs> this one goes out to all oh, you travelers. Travelers out there. Um, listen, when you're, you know, if you go to like, a, you know, a messy, shitty airport like LAX, nobody really cares what you do. But when you fly back to LA from other places, they get real, real, real persnickety at their airports, and I. I get so mad because it's like, just do the math. I'm holding, uh, you know, I got my carry-on and my computer bag, which I'm allowed to have, right? And then a tiny little, like, waist purse Mm -hmm. that I have out because I have to constantly show my ID 24 times before I get on the airplane. So I have it handy. And then I got this woman screaming at me, you got to have put the, put your little waist purse in your carry And I'm like, can you do the math? Like, you (laughs) look how big this bag is. Look how tiny this. You know they're going to go together. I'm just going to get on the plane and take it back out again because it's got my headphones. Like, you can see that I can. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll just stick it back in. I just have it out. You're not going past here until you put it back in. I'm like, but this happens all the time. I get that lady all the time. I get that lady constantly. Got to put it in before I let you past. I'm like, so I can take it back out. Right after I walk past this you line, have to like show her it's not even touching the interior. Yeah, that, that I have to put it in zip and show like ta-da magic. You know uh, what you can do if you really want to be a cunt. What uh, if you're I wearing? Would love to. If you're wearing is, like a jacket. Just mm-hmm. t- or be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Take your jacket out, wrap it up in your jacket, and be like, this is my baby. Oh, <laughs> this I'm, is my baby. I'm <laughs> always hiding things under my coat. Because I, I always have, like, two purses and a roll-on. And I just, I refuse to be tamed. And so I just put <laughs> a coat over my over my arm, and I, like, st- I keep eye contact. That's uh-huh. the thing. If you keep eye contact, they oh, won't look God. down. Uh-huh. And so I'm just like, thank you. Thank you. Wow, <laughs> that's intense. <laughs> A, a mean lady in Miami, which if people are leaving Miami on a Sunday night, mm-hmm. you know they have been up to only mischief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me on this plane. Yeah, you should be congratulated yeah. as you're getting on a plane leaving Miami. You know, like, yeah, you, you made, made it, it through. You this, made it. This, and you're leaving. You made the right choice. Yes. <laughs> you're leaving. Riri, bring us home. So the hill I will die on. Uh, I really thought about this. I really thought about something small and petty. Uh, Please don't judge the amount of spice someone can deal with from how they look. Mm. I was in a van minding my own business. <laughs> picking up I my love breakfast food go. for the week. I, did I have my dinner burrito in my car already? Sure. I'm a lady. I didn't bring it inside. <laughs> Left it in the car. I'm surveying the hot sauces, and there weren't enough of a variety. So I found a man mopping and asked, Mr., do you have, are these the only hot sauces you have? Are there more? And he said to me, oh, you're probably looking for Louisiana hot. He, he hot sauce racial profile me. Oh, are you sure he wasn't just hidden on you? I don't know. Maybe it was. I was looking good, but I think he was profiling that my hot sauce taste. Choice. Come online. <laughs> you want this Louisiana hot? So probably weird. looking for that. I should that. probably go yeah. back to that vlog. Yeah. No, but he really was like. I was like, no, sir. I like it hotter than that, and that's happened to me a couple times. I am a West Islander. Is I it like a stereotype? Things. 
I don't know, but it's like recently in LA, I've been like given the lighter stuff and like other melanated friends given the hotter stuff. Oh, like, interesting. And I think like I'm like in these, I'm like in the zhuzh. Like I'm really like trying to like make <laughs> my butthole nervous and like, they're not <laughs> letting me. And I just think that we should all just like respect everyone's spice boundaries. Um, and that's just like where I'm at. Thank you. <laughs> I'm looking for Ring of Fire tonight. <laughs> Uh, you're with the zingers today. No, yeah, Michaela, we missed you. I miss you. We missed you so much. Uh, Dana, Michaela, Riri, thank you so much for coming thank by. You. All the time we have this week. Thanks again to Alyssa Master Monaco for dialing in, and there will be more hysteria next week. Hysteria is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support, and to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadina Malconian for filming and editing our video content every week. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.